This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. Okay, true story. A couple of weeks ago, I was walking into the Whole Foods uh, in, in the Woodlands. When Joy is still quarantined, I had to do the grocery shopping. And so I'm, I'm going into the Whole Foods. I had my iPhone in my hand and I, I felt something hit the back of my head. And I, I, I immediately reacted. In fact, I, I brought the iPhone up and hit myself in the eye, no pun intended, but I did. I smacked myself right in the eye with the iPhone and I turned around and it was a bird. A bird had attacked the back of my head and, then, and, and the bird had a, had a partner and, a, and the other bird came and attacked the back of my head. I'm walking through this parking lot swatting these birds who are attacking the back of my head. I, I walk into Whole Foods, finally I get inside, I look around, I say, anybody see that? And some guy's looking at me like, no, dude, uh, no. And, and <laughs> I'm like, I, I had to look like a crazy guy. And I walk in, I'm bleeding over my eye. And I finally just stopped trying to tell anybody about it. And uh, when I was, I was telling my daughter about it and uh, just how crazy it was, she said, well, Dad, she said, you know, you hadn't had a haircut in a long time. She said, in the back of your head probably looked like a squirrel and those, those, those birds were attacking that squirrel on your head. You see what a kind family I came from? I, I come from a very kind family. Squirrel on the back of my head. So anyway, I, I got a haircut and the next week, I showed up, I parked at a different place, and this time I had no phone in my hand. I gotta, I'm looking for those birds. I'm like, I'm gonna put some kung fu on those birds if they come after me. I'm gonna, I, you know, I'm not a hunter, but I'm, I'm reconsidering that idea right now. But it's crazy. I mean, I, I, I come on to I said, Joy, I got attacked by birds. And, and I think a lot of people are looking around right now at what's going on, and they're going, it's crazy. There's just some crazy stuff going on right now. So this is part two, and we're actually calling this series How to Navigate These Crazy Times. And I want to talk today about what happens when the pressure is, is turned up. What we've done is we've looked at a parallel of Daniel in Babylon and, and the culture that we're living in today, and, and there are some similarities. I mean, today, if you think about it, similarities are it's man's voice not God's voice or God's word that is the loudest voice today. Social media, media, it has really kind of moved God out. His voice is not even heard. Just as an example, last year, Time Magazine came out with their 100 most influential people. And I, I look through, I always look through it because I want to find out, is there even a preacher in there? There was not, not one. Not one preacher, evangelist, no minister of the gospel. The Dalai Lama was in there. But Time Magazine said there were no preachers. Now, it wasn't that long ago where Billy Graham was always considered one of the most influential men in America. And I realize Billy is a special case, but I'm thinking of the 100 most influential people in our country. There should have been a preacher there. God's voice has been diminished. Godly uh, principles and godly heritage, no respect for and I won't, I won't even go into that, but that's, that's really the culture that we're dealing with. And this culture has become a very volatile culture. They will turn, uh, man, they can get ugly quick. I do know of a pastor personally who one afternoon was on Twitter and he happened to like a couple of tweets. Well, the tweets were from a political group. There's a lady who followed this pastor and she took his like, he didn't tweet, he just liked some tweets. She took them to the city council 
And the city council actually kicked this church, very major church, predominant church in that area, kicked them out of two schools in that city and kicked them out of medical clinics. This church has been there for over 20 years. They have funneled millions of dollars into helping the under-resourced in this city, but they turned just like that. It's a volatile culture. And so we're thinking to ourselves, well, well great. What, what are we supposed to do? Well, let me, let me be very clear on this. God does not want us to isolate or run from the culture that we're living in. But he has a, something else that we are supposed to do. We're supposed to live differently. In Matthew, the fifth chapter, Jesus was talking to his followers. And this is what he said. You are the light of the world. Do not be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So God's saying, hey, listen, we don't run from the darkness. We don't run from the culture. We're right in this culture, but we're to shine our lights. In other words, we're to outgood them. Our good works. Now, what we did yesterday as a church and I appreciate those 60-some volunteers who came out. And you could tell, man, it was, it was sweat city yesterday. 400 families were blessed. That's a good work. But a lot of times we're thinking, well, you know, I, 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 we can't give away food every day. Good works are also good actions. We're doing good things. So God intended that where you see hate, we're people of love. Where you see selfishness, we're giving. Where you see harshness and judgmentalness, we're gracious and kind. And do you realize that those good works shine a light? A number of years ago, we lived in a different neighborhood, and Joy, uh, Joy had a real fruitful ministry of reaching a lot of the ladies in this neighborhood. And, and one of them that she was reaching out to, the lady didn't know the Lord, she was reaching out to this lady. And, and she, I remember she came back in the house, it was like a Saturday. She said, so-and-so, they're going on a vacation tomorrow. She said, and I just feel impressed to the Lord to give them some money. Now, it's not like we were rolling in it, but I said, oh, okay. And I, I think it was like, it was $200. It, it, it was significant to us. And we're talking in the 90s. And uh, so Joy goes down there, gets the cash and, and gives them $200. And they were dumbfounded. They just could not believe that anyone would, would, would give to them like that. Do you realize that, that good work glorified God? The interesting thing is this lady later turned her life to the Lord. It's a good work. This is, this is what we do. So the idea is we're in this culture. We're not to be of this culture. Someone asked us last week, is Alan saying that we, that we just avoid the culture or isolate? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. Jesus said, you're, we're in the world. We're not of it. Paul said, don't be conformed to this world. In other words, we're living and responding differently. And we're, we're like what a, a pastor friend of mine said. He went deep sea fishing. And he was off the coast of Hawaii. He said they pulled some beautiful fish out. He said, and then when they got to, to land, they cleaned them and began to grill them. He said, an amazing thing, after they cleaned these fish, they put them on the grill, they dumped salt on them. He said, these fish were immersed in salt. They lived in salt. They were born in salt. They, they just grew up in salt. It was a salt water environment, but yet there was no salt in them. You had to salt the fish down. Guys, that's, listen, this is what we're supposed to be. We're living in a world that's dark and getting darker, but we don't run. We don't hide. We're not intimidated. We're the ones that shine our lights. So we're in it 
And the Bible said, then they'll glorify your father, which is in heaven. That's how we become a marvelous testimony. That's one of the ways we adjust to our culture. Daniel, we looked at his, his story last week. Daniel was a guy who, man, he's, he, he was living in a, a difficult culture. He woke up in Babylon, the most powerful nation on earth. And one, he's living there, established there. And King Nebuchadnezzar, who's the king at that time, has a, a, a dream. And it was one of those dreams where you don't wake up and go, oh, what was that? No, this was, it wasn't one of those, I'm running through my high school in my underwear dreams. This was a dream that was real and it was bothering him. And he called all the wise men. He said, guys, I had this dream. He said, I need you to tell me the dream and the interpretation. They said, they said uh, tell us the dream, king, and we will give you the interpretation. He said, oh, no, no. He said, that's not how this is going to work. He said, you tell me the dream and the interpretation because I know y'all are conspiring to lie. He said, and if you can't do it, he said, I am going to chop you in pieces and make your house an ash heap. Now you talk about a cancel culture. <laughs> that's, that's real cancel. And man, they, they were dumbfounded. And you see them respond to the king here in the book of Daniel. The Chaldeans, the wise men, answered the king and said, there is not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. Therefore, no king, lord, or ruler has ever asked such things of any magician, astrologer, or Chaldean. It's a difficult thing, the king requests, and there's no other who can tell it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. For this reason, the king was angry and very furious and gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went out and they began killing wise men. And they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. And this is some pressure. This is some pressure being really brought to bear on these wise men. And here's, here's what's interesting. Babylon's best and brightest came up short on answers. They had no answers. They could not answer the king. They, they faced their limitations right there. And they said something very interesting. They said, the only one that's going to know this are the gods and their dwelling is not with flesh. In other words, what they're saying is, we have no connection with the gods. And not only that, they realized that they had no power and no ability to turn things around. And because it, it was going to be fatal for them. In fact, they started killing wise men and they came to Daniel and, uh, and his companions, they're getting ready to kill them. But I love what we see next because we see Daniel respond differently to this pressure, certainly than the wise men did. So let's read what happens next. Then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch, the captain of the king's guard who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree from the king so urgent? Now, actually, the word means harsh. Then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, his companions, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning the secret so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. I like how we see Daniel respond. Now, it's interesting when, when you see Daniel respond, he responds differently. The first, it says, he answered the, the captain of the king's guards with counsel and wisdom. You know, Daniel recognized that he was not in a position to dominate anything, and so counsel and wisdom were necessary. Very gracious. King, why did you do this? 
And when he found the answer, I love how Daniel responded. He responded with faith, not with fear. He went in and evidently got permission from the king. He wasn't stalling for time. He said, There's, I got answers here. So he went in and talked to the king and got permission to go get answers. Then these guys believed that God had answers for them. Now, I love this. Daniel didn't go to his friends and say, well, the king just came out with a decree and says we're all going to die. I guess it's the will of God. They did not accept that as the will of God, not their destruction as the will of God. They did not believe that was God's plan for them. And even though the king's voice was the loudest, it wasn't the rightest. Listen, loud and right don't always coincide. So Daniel and his friends begin to pray and begin to seek God. And they sought God because they believed God had answers for them and would tell them. Isn't that good? Hey, listen, you, you don't seek what you don't think is there. So they begin to seek God. And they begin to ask God, God, what's the, what's the answer to this? And God gave them a wonderful answer. And we see their confidence was because they had a connection with God. The wise men said, our, the, God, the gods we serve, they don't, they don't deal with flesh. Daniel's like, the gods we serve, the God I serve, he does. And they, his confidence was in God. He acted like someone who had a relationship with God. Well, that's powerful, isn't it? He didn't just act like someone who was scared. He acted like someone, hey, hey I've got a relationship with God and God gave them an answer. We'll see what happens next because Daniel exalted God. He goes before the king. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, that was his Babylonian name. Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? And Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, the secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, and the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. And I love this next thing. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. Man, I love that answer. He said, you know what, King? He said, all your bright boys are not able to get this done. They don't have answers. He said, but there's a God in heaven. And there's a God who we have a relationship with. And this God is the one who makes known these secrets. The dream, I won't go into all of it. The dream dealt with the last days and the kingdoms that were coming on the earth in the last days. And after Daniel told him the dream and the interpretation of it, the Bible said Nebuchadnezzar fell down before Daniel and said, your God is God. Promoted him, blessed him. And Daniel got elevated again in a culture that he was absolutely the antithesis of. Can we prosper? Can we do well in a culture that's, that's absolutely countercultural to what we believe? The answer is absolutely yes. How do, we, how do we do well in these crazy times? I think the first thing is we have to respond differently to the pressure. We, we need to be, and, and, I, and I, guys, I keep encouraging this. They keep talking about how Daniel addressed people. I really think that the wisdom for our day is we're not angry, we're not mad, we're not clamoring. We respond to people on a different level. And then we need, we need to begin to act like people who were on the winning team. We need to act like, wait a minute, we're on the winning side. We're not the ones, we might be the minority only in numbers, but we are certainly not the minority when it comes to power because we're on the winning side. 
in D-Day, uh, about, about 20 years ago, they had a 50th anniversary, but they did a documentary. And in this documentary, they had, a, they had two veterans that they talked to who were there on D-Day. One was, a, was a, a veteran who had landed on Omaha Beach. And he, he talked about the carnage. And if you ever saw Saving Private Ryan, you know a little bit of what that looked like. He talked about the carnage and the death and the bloodshed. And when he looked around at everything that was going on, he, he, he said to himself, we're going to lose. But there was another, right back to back, there was another veteran that they talked to who was an Army reconnaissance pilot. And he saw what was going on on the beaches, but he also flew over and saw the penetration that was being made and what the paratroopers were doing and what the bombing had done. And he saw the bigger picture and said, we're going to win. The perspective is that, boy, the perspective makes all the difference in the world. We need to be able to look at what's going on and act like we're not on the losing team. We might be on the minority. We're not on the losing team. We're on the winning side. And we're winning. We know how this turns out. In fact, Paul wrote the Philippian church that was dealing with some challenges. I want you to see this. He said, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you as you're standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel in no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you and that too from God. Well, isn't that good? He's saying, listen, you're, you stand firm in one spirit. That's a great message to the church today. And then, hey, listen, we're not running. We're not scared. We stand firm in one spirit and we're not alarmed by what's going on. And what that shows is when this is all said and done, we win. Our salvation is from God. I, I used to, in the early 70s, uh, a television show came out called Kung Fu. Martial arts just like swept the country, became a fad. I joined. I was ninth grade, skinny kid, wore glasses. And I was part of this dojo where the, the, the guy who headed it up kind of had a mean streak in him. And there were these two brothers that were there. And uh, th these were rough guys, a little bit older than me, much, you know, heavier built. I was just still a scrawny kid. And we used to have to spar sometimes. And I always hated sparring these guys because every time they saw that they, he, he would go, he would point to one and he had to stand up and he would point to, every time they saw me, they started smiling. You know, I had those glasses that you had like, like a, a strap that held them on the back of your head. And uh, man, they're smiling because you used invariably, I, I would throw my best shot and they would laugh. That's not a good sign when you throw your best shot and your opponent goes, <laughs> and then they would usually rearrange my glasses, those black plastic glasses, and uh, mash them on my head. I couldn't wait to get out of there. My parents made me stay for a year. We'll talk about that when we get to heaven. But anyway, the idea is they weren't afraid. And when they, when they saw me, they knew they were on the winning side. Guys, listen, we've read the back of the book. We understand how this turns out. We know when all is said and done, when the dust settles, we're still going to be standing. Now, our confidence and our hope is because we have a connection with God. You know, Daniel and his three friends, they knew that God had not abandoned them. They, had, they loved God. They had a relationship with God. Our confidence and hope is because we have a relationship with God. To the people who don't believe, to the people who are atheists, to the people who, who don't know much about God, don't believe about God, God is far off or he's completely non-existent. They almost talk like those wise men of Babylon. God's dwelling is not with man. 
but that's not true. Because of what Jesus has done, not only do we have a connection with God, we have a close connection with him. When Paul again was writing to the church at Ephesus, he said this. At that time, he was writing to Gentiles, people who were not Jewish. He said, at that time, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Don't you love that? It says we were far off and we were without hope and without God. But that's, that's changed because of what Jesus has done. Because he shed his blood, we were far off, but now we've been brought close. And not only are we close, we're citizens with the saint. That means we're part, we're citizens of a different kingdom. Guys, we're not just Americans. We're citizens of a kingdom that's eternal and that's powerful and that will never end. We're citizens of that kingdom. That means we have rights in that kingdom. And not only are we citizens, we're a member of God's family, not a weak, impoverished, groveling family, a powerful, loving, gracious, kind family. Man, we got a different situation so we can respond different. Our confidence is not in ourselves and in our ability. Our confidence is that we have a relationship with God and we're close to him because of what Jesus has done. If we're going to navigate these times, we have to respond differently. We have to understand that our confidence and our hope and our, is our connection with God. This is the time, guys. This is not the time to drop your Bible. This is not the time to stop praying. This is a time to get even closer. When this darkness has come and we look around and we see things have changed, this is the time to say, you know what? I'm going to come closer to God. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get closer to him because he has answers. And that's the last thing I want us to understand. We got to understand this. All the, all the, the, the brilliant people out there and all the science and all that, you know, they're still short on answers. I appreciate all that science has done. The medical world has done. Technology has done. But you realize that all the brightest and sharpest in our country cannot heal a broken heart or deliver a child from drugs. Do you realize that they don't have an answer for crime? They don't have an answer for poverty. They don't have an answer for hate and racism. They don't have an answer for these things. And so they're, they're kind of throwing up their hands or making, act, or making like they do have an answer, but we realize they don't. They're still coming up short, but there's a God in heaven. And he is not only in heaven, he's a God that lives in us. He's our heavenly father and he can deliver. He can save. He can solve the biggest thing which they've been trying to solve for years, eternal life. He's the only one that's got the answer to that. We got a God. And so we are not alone. We answer just like Daniel. When people say, why do you have hope in you? Why is there still a joy in you? And we can look out and go, because there's a God in heaven and a God in me. He lives in me by his spirit and that that puts me in a whole nother category, the category of we win. The Japanese, in response to this COVID-19 pandemic, actually came out with a proclamation as they opened up their amusement parks. When they opened up their amusement parks, they said this. They said, you may not scream on the roller coasters. Now, they're serious. They even did a video of two of their executives riding a roller coaster, not screaming. It was kind of funny. But they just said, you can't scream because if you scream, you're going to let out too many germs. 
and, uh, and, and you're even more contagious. And of course, on a roller coaster, if you're, if you're the people in the back, somebody screams in the front, you know, it, it goes. But this is what they said. Instead of screaming, he said, you can scream inside your heart. And when I read that, I thought, my, that's so many people right now. Maybe they're not screaming. Maybe they're smiling on the outside, but they're screaming inside their heart. But I tell you something, that's not God's plan for you. And that's not what he wants for you. That even in the middle of the difficulties and the uncertainties and the things that we're dealing with, and we're dealing with some stuff, instead of having a scream in your heart, you can have a joy and a peace in your heart that passes all understanding. Because we have a connection with a living God and they can turn up the pressure, but they are not going to blot him out. And they're not blotting him out in us. I'm going to say a prayer. And if you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Maybe you've made him the Lord of your life and have gotten away from him. So here's your opportunity to, to come back, your opportunity to reconnect. You need that connection with him. So depending on how you're watching, sometimes there's a little notification that you could say, I made a decision after you pray. I want you to do that because that's, that's going to help you. And then we pray for you. Or you can text the word 313131 and we'll send you some information and be a blessing. We realize how valuable and the darker it gets, the more the pressure gets turned up, the more we need a relationship with God. If you bow your head, maybe if you're by yourself, pray this out loud. If you're with other people, pray it, pray it quietly. But pray this prayer with us. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. And I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Now let me pray for you out there. For those of you, maybe you know the Lord, maybe you're walking with him. You're struggling during this time. That's not God's best for you. He wants you to have peace. He wants you to have joy. And it's possible. You gotta believe that. Heavenly Father, thank you for those who are listening today, those who tuned in to watch. They could be doing so many other things, but they tuned in. Father, thank you that your words can lift and inspire and bring light and life. And I pray, Father, that the light begins to dawn, that regardless of how dark, how crazy it gets around us, you're still God. You can still promote, you can still bless, you can still prosper even in the middle of the craziness of these times. Father, thank you for peace in our hearts. Thank you for blessings in our lives. Thank you for making us a light to the dark world around us. We give you all the praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.